You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From August the 23rd, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is the book of Jonah. I'm reading from the Children's Bible. Go to Nineveh, God said to Jonah. Tell the people there that if they do not stop their cruelty, I will destroy the city. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh because they were enemies of Israel. He did not want them to be saved, so he jumped aboard a boat sailing for a faraway country. But God sent a storm. Huge waves crashed over the boat, and it was about to sink. Jonah knew it was because he was trying to run from God. He told the others to throw him overboard so the storm would stop. Down he plunged into the cold, dark water. Jonah was about to drown when God sent a huge fish to swallow him up. From deep inside the fish, Jonah thanked God for saving him. The fish burped Jonah out onto the beach. Go to Nineveh, God said again. And this time, Jonah went. And the people listened to him. They asked for forgiveness, and God did not destroy them. Jonah sat under a shady vine and said, God, the Ninevites are our enemies. How could you save them? God replied, They are your enemies, but they are my children. good news this morning? Anybody need some good news? (laughs) A few of you? So this week, here on Clearwater Beach, there was some good news. The Clearwater Marine Aquarium released Luna, a 245-pound loggerhead sea turtle back into the Gulf of Mexico. Now, Luna had showed up on St. Pete Beach uh, back in April, I believe it was, and Luna was lethargic, On death's door, Luna had barnacles attached to her and algae kind of growing on her, and Luna Luna was was not going to be much longer for this world. Clearwater Marine Aquarium brought her back, tended her. She was in critical care for weeks, but then Luna started, like many of us during these past couple of months, started eating, And, and, and Luna, like some of us over these past couple of months, gained a few pounds, 30 pounds Luna gained, and Luna grew in strength, and Wednesday they released her back into the Gulf so she could reunite with her sea turtle family. So, a little bit of good news from Clearwater Beach. Now, 245 pounds, that's a pretty big sea creatures as far as sea creatures go, but it's not nearly as big as the largest sea creature. Did you know that the blue whale can become as long as a 
100 feet long. I don't know how long the sanctuary is, but it's about this long, it seems like to me. About 100 feet long. And did you know that the blue whale can grow to be as almost as big as me during quarantine, 419,000 pounds? That, that's, a, that's a big mammal right there, 419,000 pounds. But marine biologists tell us <clears throat> that there's no way that a blue whale, even though it's the biggest mammal ever in the history of planet Earth, bigger than the dinosaurs even, this huge mammal, there's no way that it could swallow a human because its esophagus is really small. On the other hand, there's the sperm whale. Now, the sperm whale is smaller and, and maybe could swallow a human because it can swallow a large squid whole. The sperm whale could maybe swallow a human, but here's what would happen <clears throat> if a sperm whale swallowed you. I, I don't recommend this, by the way. Don't try this at home, kids. If a sperm whale swallowed you, you would kind of make your way down to one of four stomach chambers where you would find yourself in swimming in digestive enzymes. That sounds like fun, right? Mmm. Yum. What's for lunch? Digestive enzymes. <laughs> sounds great. And not only that, there would be no room to breathe. The only kind of gas that would be in there would be a methane gas. So not much help there. And so basically... I believe that the story of Jonah is a fish tale, and I also believe that most biblical scholars worth their uh, tobacco, their pipe tobacco. <laughs> you know, I like to talk about biblical scholars holding a pipe, right? So most biblical scholars worth their pipe tobacco would tell you that the story of Jonah was not ever written to be interpreted literally, but it's a holy allegory. It's a story that the author wrote to try to get across a point. And you know how sometimes people can receive story, receive fiction better than telling the truth straight on, straight ahead? Emily Dickinson wrote, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. And so this is the author of Jonah trying to get a point across to the people of Israel, but not telling it straight on. He or she is telling it slant so that the people of Israel might be able to listen to it a little better. So it's one interesting fish tale. So what did the author of Jonah want to communicate to the people of Israel? What do you think? Well, I've got one clue, and it comes at the end of this children's uh, Bible, the, the story that I read here. I'm going to read the last line to you again. God replied to Jonah, they are your enemies, but they are my children. And to me, the point of the story of Jonah it is to convince the people of Israel that now that you have your own land, now that you are settled in the land of Canaan, you have got to understand that the people all around you, they are God's people too. The author of the book of Jonah is, is basically saying, be careful, Israelites, because the people you hate are people God loves. So, what would that look like translated to today? Well, I think it's the same thing 2,500 uh, years later. We still don't, have not appropriated this message from the author of Jonah. We still have trouble hating people who are other than us, don't we? 250, I keep saying that, 2,500 years later, 
We still have people and people groups that we just don't like, that we hate. And it's like the author of Jonah is saying to us from across history, be careful, Americans, because the people you hate are the people that God loves. Or I love how Anne Lamott says a similar concept. She says, you can safely assume that you have created God in your image if God happens to hate all the same people that you do. So let me ask you this, and I'm actually going to invite you to participate and, and tell me your response to this question. It's not rhetorical. Where do you find hate directed these days? Who is the recipient of hate in our culture today? And I'll repeat what you say so the people worshiping online can also hear your response. Who are some people that you recognize as being hated today? Got to be a little louder for me. Immigrants. Immigrants. Is that it? Store clerks. The president. The police. You? People of color. Heard something from the back. I wasn't sure what it was. Sorry, you're, you're in the back. I can't hear you. <laughs> good people. Good people are hated. Yes, good people can be hated. Anybody else? People who are hated today? The media. The media. Anybody else? Congress. Congress. Anybody else? Anybody can be hated, for sure. Everybody, maybe. So you can see that hate is not gone. 2,500 years later, we're still dealing with hate. There's plenty of hate to go around, and maybe, maybe there's even some hate in you. And as I look in the mirror, I recognize there's some hate in me. I don't like to think about it. I surely don't like to confess it. But I'll admit to you that just when I think I'm holy and just when I think I've got this Christian thing down and just when I think I'm like Jesus, Jesus no better than me, then I'll find myself <clears throat> snarling at somebody on the TV or noticing somebody at the store and thinking myself better or thinking about whole groups of people and isn't it nice that I'm so much more intelligent than they are? Now, I'm not proud of this, and I think maybe it takes a whole lifetime to grow out of this. I'm still working on it. Maybe, maybe you are too. What helps us get past this hatred that, that's kind of insidious and ubiquitous? Oh, those are two big words. Can I have some points for those? Thank you. All right. Insidious and ubiquitous hate in ourselves and in the people around us. You ever heard the concept of hitting rock bottom? It's kind of a hackneyed concept, but, but the idea is, and, and it's old and maybe not as true as we once thought it was, that, that addicts sometimes have to hit rock bottom in order to make the changes that they need to make to get their lives where they want it to be. And even though it's better to start like rehab before you hit rock bottom, that's one of those concepts that's kind of in our collective conscious, that you've got to maybe sometimes hit rock bottom before you can give up the things you need to give up or take up the things you need to take up. And I wonder, maybe, maybe you have some ideas about this, is 2020 our rock bottom? 
I mean, we've got a pandemic, we've got political partisan bickering like I've never seen it before. We've got the stock market going down and up and down and I think up on Friday. We've got a couple of hurricanes forming in the Gulf of Mexico. Is 2020 rock bottom? I, I don't know. I wonder sometimes. It's been a hard year. And maybe it hasn't been that hard for you. There are people maybe who are suffering more than you. But as I heard it said this week, everybody dealing with something. Are you? Are you dealing with something? There was an internet meme that went around even before 2020 that said this, be kind for everyone you meet is facing a difficult battle. So maybe 2020 is our rock bottom. I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't go any lower. Maybe 2020 is our rock bottom so that we can, we can collectively learn to heed the lesson that we find in the book of Jonah, to love one another. See, the message of Jonah is the message for us. God's call for Jonah is the same call for us, not necessarily to go to Nineveh, but to learn to love the people we once hated. That's our call always as people of faith. To learn to love the people we once hated. Do you know the funny part about this story from Jonah? Isn't that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and miraculously survived that? It's that after Jonah went to Nineveh, a town of 120,000 people, after he finally went, after resisting it for all that time, he finally went and he preached to the people of Nineveh, 120,000 people. He said five words in the Old Testament in Hebrew. Five words. And the whole city repented. He must be the most successful prophet in the history of prophets. Five words. And the whole town turned to God. And the funny thing is that after that, after God spared them, after the city turned and God spared them, we find Jonah in chapter 4. And he is having a pity party. He is whiny and ridiculous. He's saying, God, why did you spare them? They're our enemies. And God said, you remember? They may be your enemies, but they are my children. So the lesson to me is don't be like Jonah. Jonah never got it. He just never got it. Instead, we are to be people who love our neighbor, to love the people that we once hated. And I can't promise that if you do that, that you won't end up in the belly of a big fish. I mean, I can make no promises there. But I can promise you this, that if you learn to love your neighbor, that when that fish spits you out, you'll be surrounded by people that you love. On Amazon, you can buy a sign that looks like this. And it says, love your neighbor. Your black, brown, immigrant, disabled, religiously different, LGBTQ, fully human neighbor. That's our call from the book of Jonah today. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.